0: Hey guys, welcome back to another Showrunners podcast with Scott Fowler, presented by one of the best websites in the world, Sidious Mag. I'm here with my guest today, who most of you guys already know. He's the host of the Run Your Mouth podcast and uh, just a great internet guy and regular guy, David Melly. David, thanks for being here.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm I'm genuinely a big fan of this podcast. Uh, Also, from now on, I want to be introduced as a, quote, great internet guy.
0: yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, I assume uh, the people who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you probably have interacted with your um, internet persona at some point. So, you know, unfortunately, internet. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, David, what movie did, you, did we pick this week?
1: We're watching the two thousand five, two thousand six uh, yeah. James Bond movie, Casino Royale, the first Daniel Craig movie in the James Bond franchise
0: yeah so casino royale came out in 2006 directed by martin campbell budget of 150 million dollars made 606 million dollars at the box office 95 percent on rotten tomatoes and roger ebert four stars oh yeah he said, casino royale has all the answers to my complaints about the 45 year old james bond series and some i hadn't even thought of it's not that i don't love some of the earlier films like some, dislike others, and so on, as that I was becoming less convinced that I ever had to see another one. David, you picked this movie. Uh, what sort of drew you to this one in particular? Sure. Uh, well,
1: so I'm a big James Bond fan. Um, peek behind the curtain when when Scott asked to uh, to do this pod, I basically was like, pick any Star Wars movie, any James Bond movie and I'll be happy. Um, This is probably my favorite James Bond. It's definitely my favorite modern one. Um, And it's just really good. Like, it's basically, it's one of the only times, I think, when a later installment of a franchise has maybe gotten the tone better than the uh, original uh, movies in the franchise, and it's just a lot of fun while also being a really well-made movie um and and I feel like it's a good because it's kind of like a it's almost like a reboot it is the first novel in the James Bond canon I guess um it's like a good intro James Bond although in fairness it can set you up for uh, a little disappointment if you start with arguably the best one and then you go to like a shitty roger moore movie as your follow-up um it's not uh that that can be a little bit of a knee jerk uh reaction but yeah i love this movie it's so good
0: yeah i feel like this one um we'd gone down this path with pierce Brosnan as james bond and those movies were like they're kind of like a caricature of what like a, a debonair um Womanizing spy would be like they almost got so far out there that this new Daniel Craig was like really refreshing to see because he was so like reserved. He was kind of more like Don Draper than he was like Pierce Brosnan's thing. He wasn't so sex obsessed, although there's a ton of that. Like he's quiet, like you can see like that there's real pain behind his eyes, and he's just like a generally good actor. Like he's a better actor than Pierce Brosnan. That's a huge step up right there.
1: Another day, the movie right before this, Pierce Brosnan's last movie is so bad
0: Like, like watchable
1: i love it i love watching it because it's so insane that you're like i can't believe this is happening um it's just it's like truly it's i i can't even begin to there's weird racism there's weird sexism it's just i mean highly recommend for just a viewing experience but it's not a it's not a good
0: movie it has not aged well no
1: It didn't age well a year
0: after it came out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was not born well, maybe. It's a better way to put it. Yeah, Um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to cover a lot of our sort of thoughts on the movie and the categories, but do you have anything else you want to talk about right off the top?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, there's so many moments in this movie where you kind of just have that, like, yeah feeling like, you know like it. I think it they nailed the kind of like catchphrase-iness of James Bond but in a really like sincere you know kind of not hokey way Um and and it definitely I will say it's it's long definitely if you've seen it before once you get to like the ending
0: the first ending. There's like three places you could just stop. You can cut
1: the movie after the like ball beating part, um, (laughs) and like it's still a pretty good movie. Like, it's definitely, it, it definitely takes its time. I, my like macro complaint with a lot of blockbuster movies is like every two and a half hour movie should be two hours, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just so good. There's definitely some, talk about holding up and aging well, like this movie ages pretty well, given that it's now, what, almost 15 years old. Um, the sequences, you know, there's not that much CGI, so that, you know, there's not weird moments where you're like, oh, this looks strange. Um, there's a lot of, um, there's definitely some mid 2000s, both fashion and cell phone choices. <laughs> that are yeah. a little jarring. Um, but but other than that, like it's a pretty timeless movie. Like it's definitely not tied to you know, this taking
0: place in a specific time. Yeah, well, they do a couple things I think really well that make it age well. So like the first, the technology obviously in basically any of these movies is gonna age poorly. And um like I wonder if going back and like watching an older James Bond movie, if you would see technology that we actually have now like i wonder if like in the 90s there was a thing where if you push this button we'll know where you are anywhere on earth and it's like oh yeah that's called find my friends like we we have that 100%. there's a
1: lot of them like the um uh in goldfinger the car he gets has like a really rudimentary gps yeah. um, <laughs> and it's like one of those things yeah where it's like a dashboard where it's like bleep, Bloop. like might as well be like radar off like an old oil tanker or something. Um, But yeah, definitely a lot of those, a lot of, I will say, I feel like James Bond really, I would say overestimated how much watch technology would factor into our day-to-day lives. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I feel like he's always got some shit in his watches and you're like, this, this does not, play in like my i guess you know you could talk about the running connection i guess Garmins uh do, are uh, a wonder of technology or polar sorry uh polar, yeah. yeah come on now let's go we can uh, Chavez cut that uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely the the and movies like this that actually don't use that much gadgetry like i definitely think hold up better in the james bond canon because they're not as tied to that like like, especially some of those 80s movies, like the gadgets are really 80s.
0: Yeah, I think that one, that helps it hold up. Um, another thing that I think helps it hold up is like this movie is as one of the best examples of a MacGuffin I've ever seen, which like a MacGuffin, for most people who don't know, is like a plot device that the audience doesn't really care about, but it moves the plot forward. Like we know the is generally interested in financial stuff, but the whole shorting of the stocks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter none of it matters all that matters is that he needs 100 million dollars that's it i don't care about how like it's just so ancillary to the stuff that i actually care about that that like um that plot the that whole plot line that could have taken like 45 minutes and been really convoluted um, to explain it's just like okay he's doing this thing to get the money for the terrorists and that's all we're going to tell you about and then we can move on to the stuff that you actually care about um so it doesn't like get bogged down it's not like a heavy rewatch. you can kind of just um just check out which is important in like movies that you are going to rewatch a bunch there's going to be parts where it's like yeah, I think I'm gonna get chips right now you know or like this is the part that I go to the bathroom and like I can look down at my phone for five minutes here and then then they're going to be playing cards and it's going to be awesome
1: well and especially I think to you know one of the things that that I think looms large over this movie is it is kind of the first, like, truly post-Austin Powers, James Bond. And so, like, any sort of world domination plot, I feel like just got so lampooned by the Austin Powers movies that it's, like, you can't do, you can't do that because people will be like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen, you know? So, like, even just making it about, like, money, terrorists, that's, like, Keeping it simple, I think you avoid some of the kind of self-parody that some of the uh, lesser Bond movies do. I will also say like all the best James Bond movies are just like essentially character studies of, of a really good villain and the character of James Bond. And I think the poker vehicle, while that's probably the most criticized part of this movie, enables you to get a lot of you know, the essence of this conflict, which is it's Le Chiffre versus James Bond, these two sort of, you know, male egos clashing in a very, um, you know, intellectual way rather than, you know, shutting off the bomb or, you know, a hand-to-hand fist fight or something that,
0: that I think makes it way more interesting to watch. Definitely. Both those characters are awesome. And then we get probably, I mean, in your opinion, when we were texting about this, you said you thought Ava Green was the best Bond girl. So it's like a three headed. This this might spoil some of
1: my winners section,
0: but like Eva Green
1: is so great. Like she's so beautiful. She's like holds her own. Like I think especially some of the like nineties Bond women, like you had sort of the horrible 70s, 80s Bond girls that like were very much victims and very much like, I'm just gonna, you know, stand around and like look pretty while James Bond saves me. And then you got into the 90s where like you wanted those kind of strong female characters, but the writing wasn't really able to sell that or the acting if you're Denise Richards. Um, And like Eva Green is just so in her own right, able to hold her own with James Bond, that it, like, totally, you know, is the most believable sort of, like, he's met his match of any of the Bond girls. Also, she's French and does, like, a flawless British accent, which I think is yeah. really hard to do.
0: Yeah, and in like, props to the writers for kind of, like, trusting her with this as well, because in the past, in all the other Bond movies, most of the other Bond movies, women are just, you bet them and you dead them. And there is some of that in this, like with the um, woman he meets in um, the Caymans or in the Bahamas, but um, they like trusted this female actor, which I don't know that any other Bond movie has done so much to be like, look, you're going to be very similar to Bond. You're going to be very smart. You're going to be right on it psychologically altogether. Um, and you're going to go toe to toe with this person. And she knocks it out of the park. Like they, like really dual in terms of like who is the sort of dominant figure, which when you're looking at Daniel Craig on a movie screen, you're like, that's a movie star. Like he's, he has this sort of like magnetism and charisma, especially in this role and Ava Green's right and there. Abs. <laughs> you yeah. You can't take your eyes off either of them, both from a physical beauty standpoint and also from an acting standpoint. Yeah.
1: That I, I feel like everyone kind of points to the the train scene and and I'm assuming the listeners, first of all, like, If you haven't seen this movie, fucking watch this movie. It's so good. Like, I think it's on maybe both Netflix and Amazon Prime right now. So like, it's not that hard to find. Um, But people always point to like the train scene of like their kind of like verbal tete a tete um, as like that her best scene. I will say one of the things I wrote down that I think is like so good, and it's such a small moment is when they're checking into the hotel in Montenegro and she signs the paper. She signs it in the most like fuck you way that yeah. I just love where it's like, she may, she writes like maybe one line and then just throws the pen on the table. And it's just like such a, and she's pissed at James Bond, but she also just like doesn't give a shit about like any of the trappings that like the character of James Bond really enjoys. And like, just like that little moment was like, when I feel like, for me, I'm like, oh, that's, like, that's Vesper Lind right now.
0: Yeah. All right. Before we step on any more of the categories, let's get into it.
1: Uh, let's start yeah. with winners.
0: Um, why don't you start? Go for it.
1: Um. Well, so, appropriately, my first winner is uh, running. There's a lot of great running in this movie. Uh, <laughs> obviously, the opening sequence with the, the parkour guy that he's chasing is, like, just a really cool on foot chase definitely has kind of like you see the the mission impossible and jason bourne influences um also daniel craig really good running form oh and
0: i always back on this real quick okay looks like he's missing every single one of his muscles in his body like he's running like he has to poop
1: but he's also like you know whatever five nine two thirty or whatever like his body type is like you don't he like he runs like a like he runs like a freight train because he's built like a freight train you know like (laughs) and i feel like he he has that like um like almost like military training like like there's a precision to his running that feels forced but it feels like you know he's doing that on purpose
0: yeah, there's definitely no wasted motion. It's just like every time I see him run, I'm like, he's got to poop. He's gonna, he's gonna poop. He's running to a bathroom right now. It's the only explanation for this form. Also, it has that Tom
1: Cruise thing where, like, there's a lot of scenes of him running flat out for extended periods of time. Yeah, where you're like, okay, if he cut this all together, like, I think he just ran a like 3:30 mile. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, for
1: sure. They're just sprinting for hours. It's <laughs> so long. It just looks so tiring. But I will say in terms of movie running, even James Bond running, like James Bond actors have a long and storied history of fucking up their knees on the set of James Bond. And in okay. Die Another Day, Pierce Brosnan, I think tore his ACL or something. Like there's a lot of walk running in that movie. And then Inspector James uh, Daniel Craig also fucked up his knee. And there's like many scenes in that movie where you're like, he should be running right now, but he's just walking. <laughs> yeah. So I will say, by comparison, running definitely gets a win in this uh, in this episode.
0: Definitely. Um, all right, running, what else you got? Um,
1: let's see. Uh, well, I had Eva Green. We already talked about her a lot. I think that's self-explanatory. Um, what else? Uh, asthma. Asthma. Um, makes Asthma look really like cool and badass. Um yeah. The way he has like his just inhaler and he just like uses it as a power move and you think that it's weakness, but then he uses it to mess with James Bond. Um I would say Asthma definitely gets a win in this. I would also say to like Mads Mikkelsen is just great in this movie. Like he's so weird and creepy and scary. <laughs>
0: yeah, he definitely just like showed them this movie and then got Hannibal for sure. There's just no doubt about it. He was yeah. just like, did you see that? I was a weirdo. like I can be weird. I can be scary. Also um, he
1: he has the classic like vague European accent where you're like, I don't know yeah. what I, I think the, the person, I think he's Danish maybe, but like it's very unclear what where he's supposed to be from in the movie maybe on purpose maybe because he's just doing a vague accent but that, that's a James Bond classic for sure
0: yeah the um i don't know you're just from like are you from croatia i don't know is that how that what they sound like no he's uh he's danish
1: yeah um yeah. i will say uh judy dench i also wrote down a forgiving actor wins she's just great in everything and is just great in this as well um definitely just like having fun, slapping James Bond around, like, definitely, like, they, I feel like when they got Judy Dench and Daniel Craig, you feel like the producers had that moment where they're like, okay, we can, like, have a lot more fun with this dynamic. Like, it doesn't just have to be, like, the one kind of obligatory scene in the office where he hands in the mission because, like, they're just both great actors who you get the sense that they really love just, like, acting off against each other. So yeah. she's definitely a win in this. Um, and then my last one I had here was uh George Clooney. Um, because his uh the scene at the end of the movie um was uh filmed on Lake Como, which is where like George Clooney's villa is. Um, and that scene is super beautiful. Also Attack of the Clones was filmed there. But like generally speaking, like It reminded me that like George Clooney pretty much has it made if you have a villa on Lake Como uh, in Italy. So
0: I would say that he gets like ancillary. He's a winner out of this whole situation. I have Lake Como in here as well. It just looks wonderful. It looks so beautiful. Like if you're a rich person, how do you not have a villa at Lake Como? Like why would you have a disposable $20 million? Just buy it, just do it. And then also please film on location. Like, please, just if you're a movie, just like go to Lake Como. Just do it for like a couple days. It made me feel wonderful just to see them there. It was like, <laughs> I feel like I'm in Lake Como and I'm not. I'm sitting on my couch. It's 25 degrees outside. And uh, I, w- I I like that. I like seeing it. I like the escapism. Uh, just go yeah. to Lake Como. Every movie should and, have a Lake Como. And Mon-
1: their filming in Montenegro, I think, was mostly Prague, but also like seems like Prague is pretty dope. Um, yeah. Seems like it's pretty cool there. Like, I feel like there was just a lot of, I mean, James Bond movies always do this where you're like, I want to go to all these places. Like this yeah. is pretty sick. <laughs> Definitely.
0: Um, all right, some winners I've got. I think this is a wonderful rehab movie. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. It's a movie you can okay. put on and do rehab. And it's like, it's engaging enough so that you don't get bored with whatever you're doing with the rehab and stuff but it's like not so, um, like it's not Shawshank Redemption where you're like sucked in the whole time. Um, you can do your exercise. I don't think it's quite rehab movie hall of fame or like um, hall of fame or Mount Rushmore, but it's like all pro rehab movie. Great one. Um, I like yeah, that. I would also bath. say it's,
1: it's definitely like a good evening meet movie.
0: You're like stuck in the hotel. You don't race till 9 PM because you're doing the 10K. Like definitely, definitely a good evening meet movie. There we go. We've got two running, how to work this into your running schedule. Exactly. References right off the bat. Uh, I like that we get the bathroom fight scene, the obligatory bathroom fight scene out of the way right off the bat. Like I know it's going to be in here. I want to see the bathroom fight scene. Most action movies have one, whereas there's just like a lot of head slamming into like urinals and sinks and stuff. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's start the movie with it. It's like starting a comedy with a wedding. It's like, I just want to, this is how I'm going to meet the character. He's going to break a sink with someone's head.
1: Let's do it. Also, the the in-universe gun barrel is, like, sick when he, like, turns and shoots at the camera at the end of that scene. Like, definitely... Yeah, bathroom scene is good.
0: Yeah. Um, I've got...
1: Also, imagine... Sorry. (laughs) But, like... like, I feel like this would not fit in a James Bond movie, but in any sort of spy comedy movie, like... There needs to be more like like somebody is just taking a piss and like all of a sudden there is a vicious fist fight happening <laughs> in the bathroom and they just have to like get out of the way, but they like also kind of pee on their shoe because they're like in a hurry. Like it's definitely there's there's little interference in most bathroom fights, and that doesn't that doesn't really make a lot of sense.
0: I think that happens in um, one of the mission impossible, impossible. Oh yeah. And fallout. Yeah. There's
1: like the drunk yeah. guys.
0: And also it's like clearly going to be a fight. And Tom Cruise is like, you guys just head out, head out. I know you're coming <laughs> to here to do cocaine, but please go back to the party, find somewhere else. We're going to have, we're going to have a little throw down here.
1: Oh, that's also like, uh, I feel like that's another good. Wasn't in this, but another good action movie trope is like, they're in the cubicle with the dead body and someone thinks it's sex. Like, Oh, hilarious comedy
0: yeah yeah um i like seeing body works do you remember that um that That, exhibit that was a very like let's tie this to 2005 like
1: yeah (laughs) and
0: that's a big body works product placement if body works like let's let's get a little boost pay to get into the james bond movie
1: well that's a big james bond thing is like um they take him to the sort of like exotic thing that's happening at the time like that was a big like roger moore would always go to like whatever whatever the big fad of the moment was like he would go to but yeah very weird the the miami airport sequence like the fight at the end of it is good but it's definitely like a weird detour for sure
0: (laughs) yeah um and then the last one i've got Is the blueness of Daniel Craig's eyes? Oh. They are so blue. Like they are, they are. If somebody was colorblind and had just somehow gotten color restored to their life and were like, what is blue? Be like, all right, come here. Daniel. Let me show you. Yeah. This is blue. This is prototypical blue. Everything else is some percentage of this. And I
1: well, I feel like he is like he kinda is the epitome of charisma in that like, he's not like, he's not the best looking guy in the world, but like he takes what he's got given and he like absolutely sells the shit out of it on charm alone. Like, I feel like you come out of like a movie like this and you're like, wow, Daniel Craig is, he's like, he's a handsome, hot guy, but he's like on paper, like, definitely like you know above average but nothing special like he's not as good looking as pierce brosnan and it's just like he's so it's the eyes but it's also like he's so goddamn charming what he wants to be that you're like Daniel craig i'm on board oh i'll add a win to that is like um like boxer brief bathing suits like the one that he's wearing in like the bahamas like
0: why is that not more of a thing like not all of us can pull that off uh david some of us don't look like that most i mean actually
1: you know i've seen your abs i've been on instagram you know i think you know (laughs) you should just walk out of the water in slow motion and see what happens it definitely you definitely have to have broad shoulders to pull it off i think for sure but like i feel like speedos are not always a great look and baggy bathing suits are not always a great look but like, it really, I, f- I felt like that was the best of both worlds. And I feel like you don't see
0: it that often. I, Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, here's the, he has some sort of, here's one of the reasons I don't particularly like that sort of swimsuit is like, it really, they really get stuck to you. They really get, it gets stuck to you. And when you're James Bond, it's okay to come out of the water with like a full on bathing suit outline of your pork and beans it's fine. You're James Bond. Everyone is already on board with that. We know what we're signing up for, but if you're just like a normal guy at a beach and you emerge from the water and everyone can see the outline of your shaft, it's just not, that's not ideal by any means.
1: Uh, You say that, but also I feel like there's a, now we're really getting into the weeds, you know, but like, uh, there's a compressiveness to, I think the more of the, uh, this is, I, you know, I was a swimmer in high school before I was a runner. So it's like, there's almost, there's a compressiveness to the tight suit that I think is a lo- can honestly be more modest than like the, a baggy suit that like when it gets wet, like really clings, you know what I mean? Sure. Like I do think you, it goes either way, but yeah, definitely the type of thing where if you have, if you have the charisma of Daniel Craig's James Bond, you can, you know, you can walk out of the water with everything showing and they're just like, sure, great. We we're on board. Yeah, yeah. That woman gets off her more horse of and she's here's like another let's do four I'm more. I'm gonna tapes. cheat on my husband with that guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> here's a this is a in, entire complete tangent. Um, but it's based on that scene. So it's not actually it's fine. Uh do we think that there was a potentially a little bit of fluffing before that scene? Because and here's why I'm saying that. He's emerging from uh Lake or no, he's emerging from the Atlantic the Bahamas, ocean. yeah. The Bahamas. That's a cold ocean. And he's not shriveled. Do we think I, that maybe there was a little bit of fluffing going on there in that scene? You know, Scott, I,
1: I'm—I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you were maybe paying closer attention than I was. Uh, <laughs> I will say, I feel like big budget movies, like this is a hundred fifty dollar movie, like they're thinking about every element. Like, yeah. definitely, you know, if they're gonna put that much effort into his making his muscles look good, like yeah, they're gonna fluff it up as well, like. Although I will say, like, I don't – the Chavez is going to be mad at me for making this inappropriate, but, like, I mean, a good question to ask is, like, like, I don't necessarily picture James Bond as having, like, a big penis. Like, I would say that, like, James Bond has, like, a pretty healthy average, but he is, like, using it to its, like, fullest potential and then some. Like, especially Daniel Craig's James Bond, it's, like, it's in that first sex scene, like, uh, cunnilingus is heavily implied, which is definitely not a um, a previous James Bond, I would say, high on the priority list. Um, like, he's definitely, like, he's definitely a little bit of a freak, and he's definitely, like, really pleasuring his woman, but, like, I would say that that's more on skill than,
0: like, his, his equipment. We think he's, like, a... He's a, into precision. He can perform a precision strike, but it's not necessarily. He's not leveling a whole city block. It's a yeah. I
1: think I think when you're sleeping with a lot of married women, it's like you know what you're doing. Like yeah. part of the appeal there is that like you're providing a value add that the husband is not. So mm-hmm. like I think, and obviously you know historically speaking, if James if anyone has had as
0: much sex as James Bond has had, like. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> he kn- knows his way around that situation. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't want to say that this is a family-friendly podcast by any means. Definitely, there's some swearing involved. We'll see if Chavez leaves that in. I hope yeah, he does. we'll see. Yeah. We'll bury it, and you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any more winners?
1: Um, I think I got pretty much everything. Um, I. I had a poker-related winner, but I'm gonna actually save it for the loser section. We'll see why. You'll see why shortly.
0: All right, Uh, let's go to the losers.
1: Uh, My my first loser is Baccarat um, (laughs) because in the Casino Royale novel, the whole thing revolves around Baccarat, which is basically like fancy blackjack, um, where you try to get nine or nineteen instead of uh, twenty-one um and texas again certain things very much tie this to the mid-2000s and like texas hold'em poker definitely one of those things um also like i mean this is i'm just repeating what other people have said but like the final hand he rivers a straight flush like that never happens in the world of poker like there's not for somebody who is as good a poker player as he is. There's a lot more luck than skill involved. Um, but uh that's a That that's like the number one thing that when people complain about this movie, they say so, like, I'm not going to add on to the pile
0: on to the, the haters. Well, let's do the Let's do the poker thing now. Here I think is when you watch this movie and look, look They're playing for 18 hours that's probably i don't know it's hundreds and hundreds of hands so maybe they're just showing us the monster hands but literally every single hand that they show us is a monster it is a monster it's like three aces or three kings or a full house or uh and look like i haven't played a ton of ton of poker but i think you go um like whole careers, whole poking poker player lives without getting like a royal flush and or like a straight flush, you know, an inside straight flush draw. And he hits that on the river for 150 million dollars. It's tough. It's not on one hand, it's not realistic, but on the other hand, it does speak to like this irrational confidence that um is supposed to be like inherent in the James Bond character. So Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely
1: like I think like the more nuanced you know, the more nuanced take is like if he wins it all by like bluffing with a low pair. Like I, I think that would be better better, but I also think it's a movie and like yeah. not everyone is like super in on poker and like then they have the like the whole thing where like Mathis and Eva Green the whole time are like, This is what is happening in the poker game now, in case you don't know. Yeah. So but yeah, definitely I feel like I give major passes to the poker scenes because like Mads Mikkelsen, and Daniel Craig are just playing it so well that like, you don't really care. It doesn't
0: really matter what happens, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about the monster hands. We talk about the exposition there. The other thing about the poker that I don't care for, and this happens, I've never actually seen a movie do this correctly, but when somebody goes all in, there has to be like an accounting of how many chips they are putting in the pot. Like you have to know how much they're betting so that the person can cover it. Uh, don't see it once. There's no, like, there's no sort of um, figuring out how to like make the bets equal. One person's just like all in and the other person's like all in. And now all the chips are in the middle and the whole thing is for the whole game. Like it's even more egregious when he wins the Aston Martin in the Bahamas the guy's like, I'll bet my car. And there's no sort of accounting. Like, <laughs> there's
1: no Kelly blue book happening.
0: Yeah. I will, like, I will well, say. You're far
1: <laughs> Going back to the winners, you know who we should have said was a winner is that dealer. Because I think James Bond tips him $500,000 at the end of, <laughs> <laughs> he like slides in one of those red ones. And I'm pretty sure, there was either 100,000 or 500,000. I can't remember. Either way, that takes like, flex tipping to a new level also that guy is like you know he's an employee at a fancy casino but he's a casino employee like I would say that's a pretty blue collar job like that guy's life probably just like completely changed because like James Bond
0: slid him $500,000 maybe that's like the typical tip in an underground 150 million (laughs) dollar high stakes winner takes all um, Texas Hold'em game, like maybe that's sort of what you're expected to do. I've never been in one of those. I I I can't disclose whether or not I have, you know, yeah. been
1: in them. But um, you know, uh, definitely uh, seems a possibility. Also seems like enough people at this hotel are getting killed that like mm. I'd be pretty scared if I just like was walking
0: around with five hundred thousand dollars. So maybe it's hazard pay. Maybe it's like, hey, look, we're gonna put yeah. you in a dangerous position, but if you get out, you get a hundred thousand dollar tip. That's true. And then I have some other inane, um, poker losers, but we don't really have to go into them. They're mostly about like whether or not the blinds are too low to start the the big game. I don't think, I don't think we need to arbitrate that.
1: Are you a poker guy?
0: No, but like, not, um, not that much. No, I don't really like play it. But like, I really like Rounders and uh, when I watch Rounders and when you read about Rounders, the thing that people love about Rounders is that it's like very, very true to what these this sort of like poker world is is like. And uh, then when you watch Rounders and you watch a different movie where they have poker scenes, you're like, oh, this is absurd. This is this is awful. It's like. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like anything when you learn something about it and then it's shown in a movie and you're like, eh, it's not. Not really like that.
1: Yeah, I uh, my my college teammates and I have been playing a uh, weekly poker game for the last like two months or so. Like just like connect over COVID over Zoom and stuff. Um, I'm I think I'm down thirty five bucks currently, but that's over like seven or eight games. So like, and I lost. What did you say? You're playing pretty high stakes, huh? Twenty bucks buy in. So yeah. I, I lost real big uh, last week I think it was but I, and I'm clawing my way back now but yeah I'm definitely I wouldn't say I'm a good poker player but I I enjoy it as an activity it's definitely a good way to kill like four hours like you can I will say that's realistic about Casino Royale is like you can play poker for so long without realizing it
0: yeah when you get engaged <laughs> all right what uh what's your other uh losers here
1: um well this is uh i'm sorry this is not a video podcast although then the the listeners could see the tuxedos that you and i are both wearing um (laughs) but one of my losers uh as i take a sip from my not vesper martini is a vesper martini um have you ever had a vesper martini
0: no let me look it up i don't like them
1: um it's like so it's a vodka martini with both gin and vodka do you like martinis no, I'm not a martini guy. Martinis are gross. Um martinis are literally just spirits. Like I will say I I like cocktails, but I would describe my taste in cocktails as more on the uh soft side. Um definitely like things to be a little uh sweeter usually. And martinis are basically just like alcohol. Like it's like a long island iced tea without the coke. Like and so it's like Gin, vodka, quino lilé, which is like a, like, I don't even know, like some sort of fragrant spirit, um, and vermouth. And it, I've had it once, I went to a restaurant where they had a Vesper on the menu, and I was like, oh, I love James Bond, I'm gonna like try the Vesper. And it's just like, it's undrinkable. Like, it's basically like drinking a martini glass full of just liquor. Um, yeah. But I will say I am currently drinking basically what I have adapted uh, martini into, which is uh, gin and vermouth with uh, some triple sec and some lemoncello for some okay. citrusiness. ness, um, mm-hmm. and that is going down real smooth. So uh, I would say that Vesper lost out because she got like a pretty gross alcoholic only drink named after her, but like. The modified Vesper, definitely
0: a winner. The mod yeah, the, the David Melli Vesper.
1: Yeah. The
0: um, Desper. The Desper. There you go. We named it. Um speaking of, all right, this is just, I was looking up what it is and one of the suggested searches that came up, this is a, you know, this is an aside, I'll admit that. Um is a Gibson. And we met we got introduced to the Gibson in Queen's Gambit. But a Gibson is a it's a martini, but instead of an olive, they put a fucking onion in there. That is oh. disgusting. It's so gross. I've, I haven't had anyone to talk about this with. No one else has like listened to my uh Gibson like uh yeah. like kind of vomiting in my mouth ideas. I just wanna I will that in say
1: there. so I was but, looking before Before this podcast, I was looking up James Bond drinking things to see if there was like an appropriate drink. Um, One of my favorite cocktails is Negroni, which is basically just like super bitter, like fragrant, kind of similar to a martini, but more on the sort of like bitter side. Um, And that has an orange in it, which I feel like is a good. I feel like keeping fruit in in the pitcher is definitely more advised. Um, dirty martinis, I think are gross. I don't like all, I don't like, I like olives like in salad, but like olive juice is gross. Like people, you know, people like, like pickle juice with like shots or whatever, like just straight salty liquid is not, maybe Chavez has to cut that, but like, (laughs) I don't know that, that doesn't appeal to me in a drink really. And honestly, probably part of it is just like them
0: trying to make you more thirsty. So you order more at the bar. (laughs) It's that's very possible. Um yeah, I think you really people get very particular around their cocktails, you know. Do you like,
1: have a go to? Do you have a, like if
0: you were to go to a nice restaurant or, or bar, what's your what's your order? You know, I've been through the quarantine. I've been making my own cocktails, obviously. And I go Paloma. I really like a good Paloma, which is tequila, um like lime juice, grapefruit juice, and um, like club soda, basically. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I love the Paloma. Uh, I like I like a good Negroni. I've been making those myself, and then Old Fashions. Those are kind of my my three go tos. Nice. Um, yeah.
1: More of a whiskey sour guy than an Old Fashioned guy. Again, I like things a
0: little hey, on the scary them. side. You Damn should... whiskey sours. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I will say I um, my my recent, not recent, but I've been enjoying it recently is, is a good Moscow Mule. Um, mm. my roommate likes Moscow mules. So if I'm like trying to peer pressure her into drinking, I'll, that's usually what I'll go, go gotcha. for. And it's also good because I, I like a Moscow mule, but, uh, my boyfriend is a, being from Kentucky is a big bourbon guy. So you can get do a Kentucky mule, gotcha. and, which is just the same thing with bourbon. Um, so, so definitely, definitely a good mule of any kind is also another, another go-to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's get back to the movie. I mean that was a great aside. I'll, I'll always talk about cocktails, but um. All right, here's one that got me. The bad guy, Mads Mikkelsen. I don't get why he has a stockbroker. Like, why does he have to like give up three to four percent for someone else to call in his trades? And like this is that's a weird. It's not even a good nitpick. But so is La
1: the the loser in this scenario?
0: Yeah, for not like having a TD Ameritrade account. Yeah.
1: I feel like you would think it would make sense for him to be the stockbroker. Like, maybe that guy works for
0: him, I guess.
1: I don't know. It's, like, very unclear what his role is other than, like, accountant to bad guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I get that he has to explain that, like, shorting the stock is, like, a huge risk and, like, provide a little exposition. I just don't understand why this, like, otherwise um, very reliant, -reliant, self-reliant, like, terrorist, basically, has to, like, Call in his orders as opposed to, like, why can't you just pull up a computer?
1: You know, who's but, another Lashif related loser is his poor girlfriend, who he basically is just like, sells her up the river and like, threatens yeah. to kill her and cut her or cut off her arm. And she doesn't even leave him after that. Like, she's, I feel like nobody in the Lashif crew is like happy to be there.
0: No, they're, uh, well, all right. So here's a question for you How do you think you leave a terrorist? Like if you're in a relationship with a terrorist and you're like look like i'm on board for the terrorist stuff it's just not working out between you and me like what's the conversation there are you kind of like maybe you're just packing stuff in the middle of the night are you like this isn't working out but like i respect your game like i'll keep it on the down low are you it's a good question I are think... you bold enough maybe to ask for some sort of like um whatever the alimony is in the terrorist world be like hey look like the FBI is going to be pretty interested. Like maybe we could just like leave here with a bag of cash and I'll just never see you again. Yeah, I feel like the
1: what you want to do is like either really commit to fucking over the terrorist and like get the protection of like a witness protection program type thing or you want to leave on really good terms. So it's yeah. like I feel like it's definitely a waiting game. I think with mm. someone with most of the terrorists, I don't feel like, see the weird, also the weird thing about like Le Chifre having a girlfriend, like he doesn't strike me as like the top, like he's almost like asexual, you know, like he has that, that kind of level, like of psychopath where it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if like, he has like a weird backstory of like sexual
0: pleasure means nothing to him. Cause he's just like all about like numbers and winning or whatever, like. He lost his th- eye and his sexual cortex and his brain
1: yeah i feel like the safest move for your own livelihood is to like wait till they get tired of you mm. or like wait till they cheat on you and then be like
0: oh i'm totally cool with this just like let me go and you can be happy like maybe you I get think, to like recruit your replacement be like hey look like i'm out of here but like this girl she's in
1: yeah there's somebody um who is it it's like um Somebody, I think it was like Rupert Murdoch's wife or like somebody at Fox News like used to date Vladimir Putin. Like as like Vladimir Putin's ex girlfriend. And it's like, imagine like she must have all of her drinks tested for poison. Like, yeah. you know, it's like that's gotta be a wild existence. Yeah, it's it's very I don't I don't think I would want to date a supervillain personally.
0: <laughs> no, I think we're both out on on dating supervillains. Yeah. All right. What else do you have for losers here? Let's this has really gone off the rails. Let's bring it Yeah. Back.
1: I feel like we um I personally I think this is the best episode yet, but that's just me. Um yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize that we've been very genital focused uh this yeah. episode, but I think one of the major losers uh are James Bond's testicles in this movie. Mm. Um that scene that scene I would say is a winner in that it is so brutal and so well acted. And so like you have that, like you watching that scene, every guy watching that scene has that like phantom, like stomach pain. Like it's so bad. And it's so, I mean, it's such a great climax to the movie in that it's like, it is truly the most physical representation of, laying a man low and taking him to his lowest point and even at James Bond's lowest point he still has the strength of character to not betray queen and country which is like ultimately what it comes like that's what makes James Bond James Bond is he truly is willing to die for his job and doesn't care and like that I mean talk about a, a study in contrast it's like you go from die another day to like James Bond, Daniel Craig getting his testicles beat into all hell and laughing because he's just like lost his mind. Like that scene is just—it's so good, but it's also like so hard to watch because of how good it is.
0: Yeah, I actually had that that scene in Winners, but I decided I was gonna I was gonna move it down. Just in terms of torture, it's a winner. Like I cannot yeah. think of a better torture device. If someone is swinging a rope and is like, like you know what's coming, I'm giving up any secrets any secrets I have. I will tell you anything if that's what's coming to me. And look, I'm not equipped to be a spy, clearly. But you would not even, you just have to threaten me with a knotted rope. And I'm, I'll am i tell you anything. I don't care. I have to
1: wonder if like, going to back to the real world of it, it's like, do you think there are super villains or like terrorists out there that are like, wow i didn't hadn't thought of that that's a really good idea like i feel like somebody somebody really bad watched this movie and was like that's brilliant you know
0: yeah. <laughs> like uh you wouldn't be surprised if it shows up on like a law and order svu episode like the one of the ripped <laughs> from the headlines ones it's like a, yeah right I saw it on Todd and james bond i don't know yeah it i mean little- it, going back to the vladimir putin thing and i'm probably gonna get
1: killed after this episode but it's like i would 100 believe that he does that to people you know like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and uh the last loser i have on here on a on a much lower level is just mathis because like he gets screwed like he didn't do anything wrong like he you see in the next movie you see in quantum of solace that they like buy him a villa because they feel bad but like basically vesper like betrays the hell out of everybody and he gets blamed for it and gets like tasered and like kicked out of mi6 like just because like he didn't do anything and he's just he was just like chilling in prague like being a section liaison or whatever his job is and yeah, yeah he kind of he kind of got the short end of the stick on this one and he's such a fun character like i feel like all the minor characters in this movie are really well cast
0: as just like weird fun people you know yeah um i guess my big loser is the whole machinations of the end where like you think it's uh, mathis But then maybe it's not Mathis, but he's already turned Mathis in and he gets tased. But then it's Ava Green and then we're meeting new villains like uh, two plus hours into the movie. Like I don't need a ton of exposition. I don't like, especially on a movie like this. I don't need to know exactly how we figure stuff out. I get it. Um, So I'll suspend a little disbelief. I do want to know a little bit. I was very lost uh, at the end. I don't understand how we move from uh the like balls getting bashed in to they're just chilling on the lake but then maybe she saved his life but then she's giving the money to somebody else but then mathis is still here i didn't i didn't care for the ending
1: yeah and i think one of the things that this is all behind the scenes stuff for it but it's like quantum of solace like kind of gets into explaining that but also that movie happened in the middle of the writer's strike so that movie like basically got half written and that's why that I actually like that movie, but a lot of people kind of feel like it's doesn't it's it's a disappointing sophomore effort. Um, but but yeah definitely. I think definitely tease up the sequel to answer those questions um, but leaves those questions unanswered within within this movie for sure.
0: Yeah. And then I've got a few others. Uh, Like I'm not an expert in how much, what the volume of money is. seems like $120 million would take up more space than like one small suitcase. She's just like walking around with a little suitcase of $120 million. I think it might be a little more than that. A full duffel bag.
1: Although like, it's always like, like people always talk about bearer bonds. I don't really understand what those are, but like, (laughs) I feel, like, I feel like if you have $120 million, like you're not getting it in cash. Like you're definitely getting it in some sort of like different form, whether it's like checks or whatever. Like I ha- I don't know, it, I, I actually don't know. This is like one of those weird things where you're like you know, conceptualizing a million versus a billion is hard to do, but I actually have no idea. But it does seem like, I feel like that's another, if we're gonna talk about action movie cliches, I feel like I've never seen a chrome metal briefcase in the real world. It's only used to hold money in action movies. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh like I bet Samsonite is just like trying to make a make it um trying to make those things cool. They'd be like, we could sell so many. Like they always have money in them. And everyone else is like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. Leather yeah. is fine. Oh, that's
1: actually a big loser that I totally forgot to mention. Um, Speaking of product placement, um, the Sony Ericsson, definitely a big loser coming out of this movie because there's so much obvious product placement of them trying to uh, hype up the Sony Ericsson and like literally showing close-ups of that fucking phone so many times and like, less than two years later, the iPhone came out. So like yeah. maybe not the best long-term expenditure of money on uh, Sony's part, but that, that... they were like
0: showing that phone that you could play snake on.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, ba- yeah it's basically like a Blackberry, like, but and yeah. yeah, definitely was one of those things where like, I, I remember that phone being cool for a minute, like specifically yeah. in like 2005, but it definitely had no staying power.
0: Uh, I just looked it up. So $100 million, $1 million, sorry, in $100 bills weighs about 22 pounds. So $100 million would weigh about, let me just do the math here, uh, 22 times 100, 2,000 pounds. So Hmm. she wasn't carrying around $100 million in cash there.
1: Yeah. Also talk about uh, things that don't hold up like they're British and Swiss, and but everything is American. European. dollars. yeah. You'd think it would be euros. I guess like the dollar was probably pretty strong in the mid two thousands, but like, you think <laughs> it would be pounds or euros for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, any more losers for you?
1: Um, I think I'm tapped out on losers. Um, but but
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, fortunately, way more winners than losers in this movie. Yeah. I had a couple more. How does the CIA guy know about Bond, but Bond doesn't know about the CIA guy? Bond's pretty bad about being subtle, I will say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's a recurring theme in the James Bond movies. Which they kind of play on, like he like tells his name like right in, but like that's also like a classic James Bond trope is like walking into the villain lair and being like, hello, my name is 07.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um there's a point when James Bond doesn't know how to use a defibrillator. And I just have a hard time believing that a super spy has never been taught how to use as a defibrillator. The manufacturer of that defibrillator definitely is a loser
1: because why was there a wire that didn't connect? Like when yeah. would you ever need to break down that defibrillator beyond what it was broken down into? Like you definitely want things to be ready to go as much as possible when you you have a defibrillator
0: yeah um, And then I have, again, not even really a good nitpick, but Vesper drowns before Bond is even close to running out of air. they're just like in the the elevator and it's filling up with water. and she drowns so fast. She drowns with one in one second. Are her lungs like the size of t- thimbles? What's going on there?
1: I would say it goes the other way where it was another action movie trope of like they are both underwater for quite some time and like, even at the height of my swim fitness I think my max underwater time was about like maybe a little over a minute like Mm -hmm. and they they are just chilling underwater they like have have time to have an emotional goodbye Mm -hmm. she can thematically kiss his fingers like (laughs) definitely definitely another movie trope is like very
0: unrealistic lung capacity in your action heroes I just wanted them to have the same or similar lung capacity because Daniel Craig seems like he could stay down there for another hour and she's out.
1: Yeah. yeah. That being said, like that I would also say, like losers, whoever constructed that Venice house setup, is that really how houses are set up in Venice? Because that seems wildly unsafe. Just the the dirt. It's just like mud. Back. i think it's just like floating ballast like yeah <laughs> i mean it didn't seem it seemed like it could very easily be destabilized although i guess yeah. that house was
0: supposed to be like under construction so maybe like not all
1: houses are that easily yeah
0: well i mean venice is slowly sinking into the ocean so i don't know i don't want to yeah. i don't want to speak to venice's architectural soundness that's not really my expertise it's more of um how swimsuits stick to the male form. When uh, you come that's kind of the water. Yeah, that, that's that. what I know about. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh let's get to the recasting ca- the recasting couch here. We're gonna do a special edition. We're gonna say, who is the next bond? That's gonna be our our thing. Because Daniel, Daniel Craig, he's after Skyfall, um, the most recent one, he said, Please kill me if I ever do another one of these. He's since agreed to do one more. But luckily, uh, so after that, there's going to be a new one. And we know the family that owns the rights to this are, um, they're pretty conservative about what kind of movie they want to put forward. But there's been a lot of uh, social talk about whether that should be a woman, whether it should be a person of color, whether it should be someone from the LGBTQ community. What do you think? I mean, there's some clear front runners. Uh, yeah. So was, The clear front runner is probably Emily Blunt. Person of color is probably Daniel Kaluuya. And then if it's another straight white man, I would say the odds-on favorite is probably Tom Hardy.
1: Yeah, so those are I've heard all of those. I do have so I will say off the top, I don't I think having James Bond be a woman is difficult solely because historically James Bond is a character associated with being you know being male and being from the navy like you could do it but they're in this phase right now where they're trying to retcon him as like this one character Mm -hmm. and like i think that would be tough i think the what they're doing with lashana lynch in the upcoming movie no time to die is is basically what kind of the rumor is is that she's going to be like the replacement 007 which like i think i would be i think that's way more like um, fits more with the story as having sort of a different person play the role of 007 rather than like the character of James Bond but that's just kind of me being a nerd um, I would also say that sh- in terms of women qualified to take the role like my absolute first choice would be Charlize Theron but she oh, okay. basically did that in Atomic Blonde so it's kind of hard yeah. to see her doing like essentially the same thing uh in a James Bond movie but she would be awesome. I think she'd be awesome as
0: a Bond girl. Um I think she'd be I mean, awesome. She's a little old. I mean like I, obviously like I Charlize love
1: Theron her. is ageless. She literally <laughs> looks 25 and she's like into her 40s. I you know,
0: <laughs> love her like Long Shot was awesome. Atomic One was awesome. Bombshell was awesome. Huge Charlize mm-hmm. Theron fan. I see. Would have a hard time seeing her. She's forty-five years old. I have a hard time seeing her uh, sign on for like eight years of being. And that's the thing thing is like,
1: you you kind of are committing to a decade probably. Yeah. Um. So you do kind of want someone younger. I think that's a big issue with Idris Elba. Is like that's one of the ones people say a lot. And like he's like fifty. Like I think you want somebody who's gonna. Yeah, he looks great, but he's. I think you want somebody who's gonna age into the role a little. Um. I think it would be great if Bond was played by a person of color, but that being said, I will say my two suggestions for recasting are white men, unfortunately. Um, But uh, I think Richard Madden um, from The Bodyguard and Game of Thrones um, Mm. would be great. Um, He's one of those people who has been kind of like widely rumored to do it, Um, and he is, also widely rumored to allegedly, don't quote me on this, maybe be queer. So like, that would be kind of cool. Like in Skyfall, they kind of tease the whole like idea that like James Bond has like, you know, had a history with men. And like, I think that makes way more sense for the character of James Bond to be like bisexual or pansexual and be like, you know, I'll do whatever it takes for the mission. You know, <laughs> like uh, that that seems on brand for him. Um, And then my other person, um, who I just really love as an actor, but um, I I think would fit really well is James McAvoy, um, who has shown to be really versatile in the roles he takes, but he hasn't really done a role like this. So it would be interesting to see what he would do with a role like this. Um, So I I, I think James McAvoy would be a good fit. Um, You know, he was in those M. Night Shyamalan movies and Atonement. And um, he was actually in Atomic Blonde too. Um, but but I think he would be a good James Bond. And his name's James. And he, so.
0: Yeah. And he, uh, we know he will do a movie for a paycheck. Like he was in, he's in, in X-Men. Like he- yeah I, yeah, I think he's just
1: mainstream enough, you know, where it's like, he's a little unknown, but definitely like not a stranger
0: to the blockbuster, you know? So speaking of your uh your Game of Thrones guy. Um, sorry, Richard Madden, why not Kit Harrington?
1: I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't actually um know the character as well, but I I'm I can imagine that probably a lot of the is he Jon Snow or is he somebody else? He's, yes, he's Jon Snow. I'm sure he'd be fine. I don't <laughs> I haven't seen him in much, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Um do you have a recast?
0: Well, I mean, I I think it would be really cool if they found someone who would like who sort of became Jon Snow, who wasn't like super, super famous, but was a really good actor. I mean, I guess my recast, the one I really hope gets it, is Daniel Kailua. Like I think he can do anything and he's awesome. But on the other hand, like I also want to see him continue to make like really cool, interesting movies like um the one he that's coming out soon, uh, man. Why am I blanking on it? But it's like uh, the traitor in the Judas tree or something like that. Um, I would like to see him keep doing his like Oscar thing. Um,
1: yeah, that's why I. One person I've thought of would be um, Dev Patel, but mm-hmm. I think he's kind of also the like he's too he's too Oscar baity now. Like he wouldn't do yeah. something this mainstream. Um. But yeah, he'd be good. No, I mean, I think um, I I, I will say uh, if if we can expand the recasting outside James Bond, my like number one really want her to be a Bond girl is Janelle Monae. I think she would be awesome. And then she could do the song as well. That would be like a win-win. She could be
0: like the female lead and do the song. Yeah, maybe she um, is like goes undercover as like a, a hip hop artist. Oh, that'd be fun. That art imitating life, imitating art a little bit too yeah. much.
1: Well, she's so, anytime she's in a movie, she's so good that you forget mm-hmm. that like her primary thing is singing, you know? And I I think she could be very fun in this. And also like
0: she is very beautiful. So that's always a, a plus for your your Bond girl. Do we think they would ever do the thing where they get like a non-British actor who can do a good British accent? Well, they have.
1: Um, George Lazenby's Australian, Pierce Brosnan's Irish. Um, people have done different accents. I do think I don't want an American. Like I got feel that. like you have to be like Charlie Theron, South African. I'd be like that's like enough in the Britishy vague. You know, I think that's fine. Um, I feel like American doing British is that's not pure to the. I feel like it's got to be at least Commonwealth. You know, you got to be eligible for the Commonwealth Games to be James Bond.
0: Maybe get a Kenyon.
1: That would be cool. Yeah. Elliot would be a good James Bond. I think I tweeted about that
0: yeah. once when he had his GQ shoot. I was like, Eliud Kipchoge next James Bond. I would have a hard time, like, seeing him uh, just, like, throw women to the – like, he could never just, like, reg- disregard his hookup. He would be. Like, I feel like, like
1: he would – anytime he would get into a fight, he, he would, would,
0: like – he would diffuse it with like wisdom and that's not really yeah. James Bond's vibe. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's kind of got a different vibe there. What do you, do you have any best lines? Uh, like
1: in uh, Insta quote lines, I have, uh, some, some potential captions. Um, yeah, let's do it. I think, uh, the, um, song, as a lot of good lyrics, you know, my name by Chris Cornell. Um, yeah. uh, I've seen angels fall from blinding fi- heights, but you yourself are nothing so divine. That's a good, uh, you know, you could sort of like, um, if you wanted to talk trash against like someone you were like racing, you would be like, I'm not scared of you. Like you're not divine. Um, yeah. I would say, uh, own yourself because no one else here will save you. Like that is, that's marathoning right there. It's like when you're out there it's like it's not your teammates, it's not your coaching. It's like it's just you. I think that's a good uh that's a good line. Um I'm trying to think I that's uh that's my song lyrics ones. Um I think if you wanted to be like a little sassy with some of the conversations about um social media and branding these days, uh, you could do the Judy Dench quote, they don't care what we do, they care what we get photographed doing.
0: Yeah. Maybe <laughs> um, like right after you get in trouble.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, a good short one is just Vest Berlin's first line, I'm the money.
0: Yep. That's because like a good,
1: yeah, that's just a good like cocky, like you're just, you're feeling good, you're feeling fit, you're you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, if you're, if you're trying to sort of like, um, you know, you're, you're trying to temper expectations a little, like maybe for yourself as much as anyone else, the, the line, arrogance and self-awareness seldom go hand in hand. Sure. I think that's a, that's a valuable lesson for all, for all distance runners. Maybe we could like, maybe. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. You could, could. You could have a rivalry and like uh somebody else is like so, says something really arrogant and then you're like arrogance and self-awareness
0: rarely go yeah i got um, one for the running couples out there if there's any professional running couples you know what actually nikki hilts i got you right here you use right. a picture with your lovely girlfriend the caption is "Vesper berlin she says you love me question mark james bond responds enough to travel the world with you until one of us has to take an honest job which i think is going uh, to have to be you because i have no idea what an honest job is
1: kyle merber could do that
0: um, that go. could be yeah yeah just retired
1: yeah um from the my i if you have any uh i i don't mean to cut you off but i do have one more for my list which is uh um for your hardest, like this is an NA, this is a Ben Rosario five star workout Instagram mm-hmm. caption. Like when you really have left it all, like you puked over the railing of like whatever road you guys are running on. Um, it's uh, from Le uh, torture scene. It's mm. not only the initial agony, but the knowledge that if you do not yield in time, there will be little left to identify you as a man. i think uh after your hardest workout of the marathon cycle i think that's uh especially especially if it doesn't go well like i think that's uh that's a good one
0: (laughs) that is a good one i'm gonna keep that in mind Uh, (laughs) all right i got one more uh vesper says this is another exchange i think the best lines in this are in generally that's, um, I, I
1: was struggling with that is I think a lot of it are good quips, but like not necessarily good
0: standalone lines, yeah. you know? This one goes out to any, like if any NCAA runners win a heat, uh, like if we get to have Stanford this year, if you can win a heat at one of these, you get the finish line picture, you're, you throw your hands out. It's fine. Celebrate. It's great. You want to race. Um, the quote is, it doesn't bother you killing all those people. James Bond. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if I did or if it did boom that's perfect yeah that's, that's uh, like that's what Centro like, said I, after he hawked that uh college kid <laughs> perfect exactly yeah yeah if, that's like right in the central vein if like you college kids are looking if that's your alley if that's your lane go for it i think that's teed up right there for you yeah
1: there, i tried to come up with something where it's like uh the poker adage of like you never play your hand, you play the hand of the man sitting across you. Like that's very like road racing, like you know, like how the Kenyans like to throw like fartlicky surges in the middle for no reason. Like I feel like a good road racing duel has a little bit of that play the hand of the man across
0: from you element, but it didn't quite sure. line up. Didn't quite line up. No, not quite. Um we got anything else? Anything else we want to talk about? I mean, we could talk for another hour about whatever, but
1: <laughs> I think we pretty much un- unpacked this movie pretty pretty in depth, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, we're going to call it then. It's been a little over an hour. So guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this episode has been produced by Chris Chavez, artwork by Kyle Klasinski, theme music by Future Islands. Uh, if there's another movie you guys want to see us do, hit me up on Instagram. I'll let the guests choose, so I don't really care what you have to say. Uh, but thank you so much for being here, David. I think this was awesome. A lot of fun. Thank you. I'm glad the pod is back. This is uh, 2021.
1: It's off to We're going to do start. it. Yeah. Nowhere to go but up because you had me as your first guest.